three historic nonprofit organizations are moving forward under the same name with the introduction of Copper Shores Community Health Foundation. The name represents all services, programs, and opportunities offered by Portage Health Foundation, Dial Help, and Copper Country Senior Meals. While there's a new name, the mission remains the same, to positively influence a healthful community through enhanced philanthropy and collaboration. The combined effort will lead to better opportunities to identify and fill gaps in services and programming in Barraga, Houghton, Keweenaw, and Onsenagan counties. Visit coppershores.org to learn more. Welcome back to segment two of Copper Country Today. I'm Todd Van Dyke. Our program brought to you by the Copper Shores Community Health Foundation. We turn our attention to law enforcement in the second half of the show this morning. And I welcome in First Lieutenant Jason Wickstrom, who is the relatively recently named commander of the Calumet State Police Post. Uh, Jason, welcome to the program. Yeah, th- thanks, Todd, for uh, inviting me down to uh, talk a little bit about the post and uh, some of the stuff that the Michigan State Police does. You are native to this area. I am. I am uh, born and raised in Calumet. Uh, my wife also. I uh, lived in the Marquette area for about 10 years uh, when I first got into the State Police and was eventually able to make my way back here um, in 2007. How does that work if you are a state police trooper? Uh, are you allowed to request where you want to be assigned, or do they just do that kind of unilaterally? So that has completely changed since I went through in uh, 1996. Uh, before, it was standard to not place you within 100 miles of your hometown. I thought I remembered that. I thought I remembered that yeah. it was kind of a rule that they wanted you in other places and other situations so that you could get a full breadth. Of, you know, if you came from here, you'd work in Detroit and you'd see that side of things and such. Yeah, so that was part of it um, to get so that you can get a little bit more of a taste of uh, somewhere else that's maybe a little busier uh, with traffic or investigating criminal complaints. Um, Well, and maybe the flip side, the Detroit recruit comes up here so that they understand that life is different in this part of the state too. Yes, yep, that is true. Uh, A big part of it is um, you've got, you know, a 21-year-old coming out of recruit school as a brand new trooper, not having them back in their uh, hometown just because of everybody they know. Um, So it's just, it's a little bit better um, if you're um, out somewhere else learning how to deal with the public and deal with different situations and then and then coming back uh the department has changed that policy now because they feel that you're it's a better recruitment tool if you have the ability to come back to your hometown right out of recruit school so that happens a lot more now um than it ever did before i had noticed that because they send me lists every time there's a graduation from trooper school they send out lists to those of us in the media as to who has graduated and where they're being assigned and i've been looking over the last few years and uh typically we run a story about it on qnrreport.com but uh yeah this person from local is coming here this person from local is coming here this person from Central UP is going to Nagani or someplace like that. Yes, and so and that's going to continue. Um, they're going to try to do that as much as they can. One of the nice things now about um, the Calumet Post is we now cover Barriga County also. Yes. So you might have... We used uh, to have our own post in Barriga County. You did, and, and that's something that... Um, Maybe not having a post back, but maybe having an a office space that's open to the public is one of my goals. 
um, is to do that. Um, but when you have a new um, a new troop come back to their hometown, say they're from Calumet, we have the ability to put them down in Barrier County, so there's a little bit of separation. Ah, okay. Because there would have to be, I suspect, some pressure on a new recruit. All of a sudden, you pull over somebody you just graduated from high school with uh, several years ago. You know people. Uh, there are supposed uh, some temptations there. Yes, it's just it it it's an uncomfortable situation and the troopers are going to do their job what they have to do yeah but we are human yes and you know in in a situation where you know somebody and such it it becomes uncomfortable it's awkward yes it is so we try not to um, that's one of the downsides of having people back in their home area Um, but we work through it well and i would suppose there are some positives as well in terms of somebody not having to learn the map Completely, they know where basically the the major roads are and and their their way around a little bit better than, you know, than if I were suddenly picked up and dropped into downtown Lansing. Yes, absolutely. Yep. And they have, um, as part of the process, once you're, um, recruit school is six months long. So obviously they're preparing you for, for different stuff in recruit school. But then when you get out the field training officer program, um, they have 17 weeks with a senior officer once they get to the post. So hopefully through that 17 weeks, you get into those awkward situations and that senior officer helps you through them. So you have a, you're better prepared once you're out on your own. So the experience obviously gets transferred down. Yes. Um, for those people who are interested in becoming state troopers. This is something I have seen much different from the state police over the past several years. You are very actively looking for new troopers. We are, especially because now with people being placed back in their their hometowns or close to, a lot of that recruitment process is put back on the post to go out and find those people in your community. I mean, you gave me your business card and there's a QR code on the back yes. that somebody can click on and find out uh, how to join the state police or at least to apply to the state police. This is an aggressive position. I haven't seen your organization taking up until the last couple of years. Yes, there. well, like every other occupation, there's a, um, a lot of competition. So there's a lot of competition with agencies downstate for a variety of reasons, maybe wages, benefits, uh, things of that nature. Um, but yeah, you have we have we need to actively be out there recruiting just because we're um, losing people through retirements. You know, attrition. It's just happening every year. Who would be interested? in being a state trooper and what kind of background would you need to have well there's a a lot of people think well i need to have a criminal justice background like i have to have gone to school for that um, but that's not true we can take anybody like anyone that's interested or thinks they are should look into the process um and we're just looking for people to come in that maybe have um, some good life skills um, maybe some experiences um, but yeah there's not there's not a particular person is there an age limit there is so you have to be 21 when you graduate recruit school so you could be go through start going through the process say 19 years old 20 years old enter recruit school as a 20 year old as long as um you are 21 when you graduate okay um and you don't need the state police doesn't require um any type of college education it's a high school diploma. Okay. So you go through the six months of recruit school. You get to work with a senior uh, officer uh, for a few weeks, uh, several months mm-hmm. after you get started. Is there additional education, ongoing education that is required? So for some positions, yes. There's always 
um, training and education as you go throughout your 25 year career. There's always different stuff that you have to do, different opportunities you can do. If, um, you know, as, as you go through and are looking at, say, a job in the crime lab, like there's some stipulations that you okay. need to have a background, like a, a, so many credits of chemistry and biology and stuff. So there are certain jobs that require that eventually if you want to get into them. Um, so there is a little bit of that. Well, so, and it brings to mind that the, you know, the, the jobs that are available through the state police are not just the troopers who are out driving the blue cars around. No, there is... Uh, lots of opportunities for different jobs within the state police. Um, anything from the lab stuff that I talked about, um, being like you can work on a drug team, fugitive team, uh, there's um, canine program. There's a lot of different little subsets within the state police. All right. So if somebody is interested, how do they pursue? So first step would be contacting the Calumet post um, and we can put you in touch with the district recruiter the person that's in charge of recruiting um, in the Upper Peninsula um, we also have a community service trooper Alan Nari who would be more than happy to help you in that process um, the process takes probably nine months to a year by the time you're you're done with everything um, and then once the other nice thing about the state police is if you go to a local police academy, there's some agencies that are now sponsoring people to pay for that local academy. When you get into the Michigan State Police um, Recruit School, you become a state employee day one, and you're paid and start getting benefits. Ah, so so there's a little bit of a um, a little bit of a pos an extra positive with getting into state police recruit school. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, and and certainly, no one gets rich in law enforcement. But a rewarding career and uh, good benefits and retirement? Yes. Yep. The The state police has, uh, um, they're one of the higher paying agencies in the state. Yes. Um, good benefits and there's a retirement. Well, and I think anybody who looks at law enforcement, I don't mean to demean any of our other law enforcement agencies or offices mm -hmm. in the area, but I think most people look at you folks as being the cream of the crop. Yes, I don't. I, I'm, I agree and, with and you. And again, I, I I know a lot of our law enforcement officers, and they are fine. They're they're wonderful yep. officers. They're hardworking. They're dedicated, and uh, I appreciate each and every one of them. But uh, state police has always kind of been the top of, of the of the ladder. Yeah, I I I appreciate everyone that works locally. And there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of good officers. Um, and, and we actually recruit some officers, you know, for uh, lateral recruit schools and stuff like that. Um, the state police, but you are well-rounded when you come out of the state police recruit school. There's no doubt in my mind about that. So uh, I'm talking with uh, First Lieutenant Jason Wickstrom. He's the, the uh, commander at the Calumet State Police Post. What, what is the breakdown of responsibility? I mean... I, we have, obviously, our local police officers, uh, municipal police officers, Houghton, Hancock, uh, our other villages in the area. We have our sheriff's departments, uh, Houghton County, Barriga County, Ontonagon County, Keweenaw County. And we have you folks. When do you take responsibility for an incident? So um, the local jurisdictions, Houghton, Hancock City, take um, whatever they take care of their complaints within their their cities um 
when it gets into a township, um, it's either going to be the state police from the Calumet Post or it's going to be the um, Sheriff's Department, Houghton Barrick or Keweenaw County Sheriff's Department is how that, how that works or is dispatched. Because I think there's probably some confusion because often we come on a situation, there's been a crash or something like that, and there's one of your cars, there's a car from this agency, a car from that agency. You do help each other out. Yes, all the time. And calls for service are answered by Nagani Regional Dispatch. And what they do when you call 911, they receive that call, figure out where, where the address is, the jurisdiction on that. And if it's outside of one of the municipality's um, police departments, then they poll for the closest car. So that's why sometimes if you call for the police service, the state police show up, or sometimes it would be a Houghton County or Barrett County shows up. Just depends on who's closest to the call. Because let's face it, we've got a lot of square miles to be covered by not a whole lot of people. Yes, there is a lot between um, yeah each one of the counties. It's just staffing levels are, are at, a, at. We try to maximize staffing levels, but we could use a lot more people. It's just, yeah. And and Houghton County, rather notoriously, you can't get from the Houghton County Sheriff's Department to the southern edge of Houghton County and stay within Houghton County the whole length of time. You have to go either through Barrigan County or Onondagan County to get to Kenton. That's correct. It's a long way to the county, to that side of the county. So uh, the geographical aspect of who's closest becomes, I would think, really important. It does, yes. Um, Let's talk a little bit about some of the problems that we have in this area. You, before you became the commander at Calumet, you spent a considerable amount of time with UPSET, the Upper Peninsula Substance Enforcement Team, that has been doing great work over the past, well, what, 15 years now, I suppose? How, how old is that? So the UPSET West team, um, drug team, start, that was stood up, in August of 2016. So just to get... And that's the one that focuses specifically on us in this region, Upset West. Yes, that covers the five western counties of the UP. There's actually four Upset teams in the UP. So Upset East is based out of Sault Ste. Marie. Upset North is based out of uh, Marquette. Upset South is based out of Escanaba. And then Upset West is based out of Houghton. So the, the... North-South team was one t- back in the late 80s is when they, when they started. Okay. Um, and that was considered just one team, but they realized over the years that it was just um, logistically trying to cover that much area. Um, say you wanted to go and do an investigation in Ironwood, driving from Marquette to Ironwood just wasn't feasible. No, no, that's, just that's too not many a miles. good use of time. Exactly. So... Um, Chief Donnelly from Houghton City PD, um, along with Inspector uh, um, Dannison, uh, came up with the concept of the Upset West team back in 2015, uh, and the paperwork started going. And it took over a year to, to get approval, but then in August of 2016, uh, Upset West uh, was created, and I took over the day-to-day operations of that. Now, how many people are attached to that? There are five detectives and then a detective sergeant. And they the work exclusively on drug issues in this area? Exclusively on um, the dealing and trafficking of drugs. Sometimes people think that we're out there looking for a drug user to arrest. That's not the mission of the upset team. The mission of the upset team is to um, 
go right after the dealers of the drugs. Yeah, and this is part of a change that we have noted in society in our approach to this over the past particularly five to ten years, that we start to understand that those people who are using meth and crack and things like that, they're more victims than they are criminals and don't need to be necessarily thrown into jail. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a firm believer. I know that people think that police officers want to throw people in jail, but after spending six and a half years uh, on the drug team, I, the need for substance abuse treatment is enormous. I would say that 75% of our uh, drug dealers, the people that we do investigations and arrest, are addicts themselves, 75%. Are they really that many? Yes, there's that many. And a lot of them um, sell the drugs on the side just to support their habit. Like they can't hold a job down. Um, so they need to have conti a continuous supply of money in order to, to support their habit. And so they're, they sell. Like they'll go and buy a larger quantity, keep some for themselves, and then they, they sell the rest so they can buy more. What are the biggest drugs we're looking at right now in the area? Heroin and meth are the are the biggest um, drugs now, by far. Meth is the one I don't understand. I mean, I, I I look at what's in it, and I'm thinking, you know, drain cleaner and bleach and stuff like this. Yeah, I'm going to put that in my body, but there are people who obviously are attracted to it. What's the attraction that you've seen and worked with some of these folks? So the the addiction process is the driving force behind that is is just incredible. Um, you know, they talk about the first time that you do heroin or the first time that you do meth, the high that's created from that, you're you're never able to achieve again. And so what ends up happening is you chase that for the rest of your life while you're using drugs in order to to try to get that back. And there are chemical changes in the brain. We now know that there are physical chemical changes that take place that we really don't know how to reverse. Yes, there's there's permanent damage done, absolutely. Um, heroin and meth are, are kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of what they do to the body. And on the street, heroin's called down because it basically, you take it and then you, you go unconscious, you know. It mellows it, it you. It mellows you out, but to a point where it shuts down your respiratory system and you can die. Meth on the street is called up and, or upper, and that, like, stimulates you. And, like, so heavy meth users can be up for two, three days straight at a time as they're using it. Yeah, and what a physical toll it takes on you. I've seen the before and after pictures of people who have become addicted to meth, and it doesn't take too long to make you look a whole lot different. Yes, you got it, you do. It's very distinct. Um, you lose all your teeth because of the chemicals that from the meth as you smoke it, because that's usually how people take it is through a, um, a glass pipe, um, and it takes a toll on you. Where do these drugs come from? Uh, heroin obviously has to start someplace else. I don't think we're growing uh, poppies here no. in the copper country, but meth could be made here. Is it being made here? No. So the when people talk about a meth lab, like the traditional um, meth lab that, that would be around here is something called a one pot. And basically that's just a empty 12-ounce um, Gatorade or pot bottle where people go to the um, – the drugstore, the hardware store, and buy those components you had talked about earlier. And they'll make it, and it takes a couple hours to try to make 
make the meth. All you're getting out of that is two or three grams of finished product, finished. So that's not going to last the drug user a whole lot. Um, you know, it's only maybe a day, day and a half. Um, the majority of meth and heroin comes from labs in Mexico, the cartels down there. And they managed to ship it all the way up to our little neck of the woods here? They do. And when I talk about like a cartel meth lab, I'm talking about um, the typical lab down there, the mega labs, produce five tons of meth at one time. Oh, my word. It's like it was. It's like $5 billion street value. That's how big those are down there. So in reality, they're flooding the market up here. So there's a lot of people like the amount of meth labs that we've found up here to dispose of has gone down dramatically because there's just so much um, cartel meth available now. Does that make it cheaper than it used to be? It does, much cheaper. Which, of course, makes it more accessible to people and more attractive, unfortunately. Exactly. If it, yep. if it cost a lot of money, fewer people would probably wind up using it. Yes, and you have people who take advantage. Um, so, obviously, the price of an ounce of meth in Detroit might be $200 and up here it'd probably be a thousand dollars right so that's the markup for bringing it up to this area so you have two things happening one is you have people that have some type of a tie up here I'm you know a variety of ways that know that there's um, people that want meth so they come up from Detroit on a regular basis and they'll bring a they'll bring a half a pound with them um, but they're able to make so much money because people are willing to pay a higher price up here. And then on the other side, you have people that will go down to Detroit, Chicago, Milwaukee, Minneapolis is a huge hub for methamphetamine. And they'll, they'll bring it back, same thing, they'll sell it up here. Well, and with that kind of money being involved, it's a fairly lucrative thing. I would assume if I, if I were to, and not that I would, but if I were to bring a bunch back, I could make a whole lot of money. Oh, you could, yes. Yeah, the markup is, is there. that's one of the two driving forces for illegal drug use. One is the addiction process. Once you start taking it, you can't quit. Yeah. And then the other part of it is the profit margin that, that people. So, and luckily we've had the ability, um, the Upset West team has, um, you know, it's, it's a high priority for the um, federal government. So, we do a lot of larger methamphetamine cases um, in the federal court system, and the federal court system has a little bit more teeth than the state court system does. So I think we've sent um, it's 36 people to federal prison since the team has started in 2016. How do you find out about these people uh, who are bringing meth in? How do you uncover this? So a lot of times it starts with the road officer uh, stopping a car, maybe arresting someone for um, you know, driving under the influence of drugs. They search the car, they find some more um, meth, heroin, whatever it might be, and they get into a conversation that road officer does with that person, and um, that person's willing to give up information, um, maybe to help themselves out. Okay. And um, the dominoes start to and fall. And the dominoes start to fall. Yeah, that road officer puts that particular suspect drug user in contact with the drug team, and then we start building a case. And it takes typically how long to build that case? Uh, sometimes it might only be a month. Um, sometimes, depending, like federal cases that we have, have gone three or four years building up. Because it keeps on, we keep on finding new people involved, right? And those people get put into that investigation. Yeah. Um, and it ends up turning into like a federal conspiracy case where we are able to arrest. Well, back, it was in Barriga County back, what, 18 months ago? 
Um, that was a case that was between the Keevan Bay Indian community and the Hannaville Indian community. I think there was nine people we indicted on that. Case. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. So that that's that took a while that case, but we got a lot of people. And then obviously the significant investment uh, required if you have to take those people to trial. Yes, and on the federal on the federal side, there's a lot of prep work and organization, and and a lot of times. Um, you know, the, there's a federal courthouse in Marquette, but a lot of times these um, these suspects might be down in the Grand Rapids area. And so I've got, like, we're having court down in Grand Rapids, we're having court in Marquette. It just depends. Yeah. Kalamazoo. Yeah, that takes your people off the street. It does. For a considerable period of time. Yes. I mean, suppose I knew of something. Maybe I saw suspicious activity at a house in my neighborhood uh, or, or, or know of somebody who seems to be using or, or, or selling. How do I report that, and am I at risk if I do? Might somebody get mad at me? So there's a couple of different ways. My recommendation, there, if you go on um, the Upset website, you'll have there's a phone number you can call. And leave a message but i recommend calling um the state police post the sheriff's department your local police agency um, because they have um they have the ability to contact the detectives on the team so that would be the best way to do it and then you can be anonymous if you want that's not yeah. a problem we get that all the time um so in case you're concerned about someone finding out that you're giving information. All right. We have to wrap this up. Uh, First Lieutenant Jason Wickstrom, the commander of the Calumet State Police Post, thank you for your insights and good luck with your continued work. Thanks for having me down here, and uh, I, I look forward to having more conversations with you.